The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to the show today Peter Dawkins. I uh, have been wanting to make contact with Peter for some time and uh, I had the opportunity through Hugh Newman who was on the show a few weeks ago to connect with uh, two people, Andrew Collins and Peter, both of whom know Hugh but they don't know each other. And it worked out, you know, this show has its own consciousness and it brings people together that have a message to share. And I didn't know this was going to be a back-to-back uh, pair of weeks with last week Andrew Collins talking about Gebekli Tepe and the connection to the Cygnus the Swan constellation and its significance looking from the ground up into the Swan constellation. And a significant piece of Peter's work is working with that swan in the landscape. In other words, looking at the swan imprinting itself on the landscape and how we can work with that. So we've got this beautiful synchronicity happening. And I know, Peter, this is not happening by coincidence. So there is some important information that you'll share with us today about the swan, I know. So welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. Thank you for inviting me. So first of all, actually, I'd love you to just chat a bit about your, the, the name of your website because it's an unusual name that I wasn't familiar with before I connected with you, Zoens. So uh, perhaps you could explain to our listeners what that means because I know it's of great significance. Oh, yes. Well, well, for many years, we're involved in the work we're doing and then um, we felt we had to give it a new name, completely new name because old names we're using can have different meanings to different people, sometimes the wrong meanings. So um, my wife, Sarah, and I decided we'd just invent a new name for our presentation of, of this sort of work, which is to do with the mysteries, uh, wisdom traditions, but also how they connect with the landscape as well as the spiritual world. So we decided to call it, after, uh, based on a Greek word, zoe, which means life, so we called it um, zoense, uh, to give the idea that it's a science and an art of, of life. So it's, it's, it's a new word. It's no wonder you hadn't heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's within Zoent, it's got science and art and life all combined. That's right, yeah. So for those people that want to go there after hearing Peter talk today, the actual website is www.zoence, Z-O-E-N-C-E, for our North American people, .com, zoence.com. So perhaps, Peter, you could just expand a little bit on, on what that means and, and, and how that relates into the work that you do. 
Yes, I mean, my, my, I've always been really interested in the wisdom traditions and the philosophers and religions of the world and so on, you know, ever since I was young. Then I became an architect, and, um, which I've always, lo- I've always wanted to be an architect. Um, I practiced during the 60s and 70s in England and Scotland, but I've always had a great love of the landscape and um, thought it really important to understand how the landscape affects us and where it's good to build things and where it isn't good to build things, you know, because it can make us feel good or feel bad, actually make us ill if we do things in the wrong places. But it can also inspire us and give us good health if we're in the right place at any time. And I really thought there should be a science about this. And there wasn't a modern science, but with all my researches, I knew that in the past there had been a science about this, a real knowledge of where to build what. Because a lot of my researches were in sacred architecture and, um, you know, building of temples, churches and and places like that. And right back into um, the sort of thing Andrew Collins is looking at, these very, very old sacred places that were established thousands of years ago. Start, starting, of course, with the ones in England and Scotland with all the stone circles and so on. They used to fascinate me and I wanted to understand it. So um, everything built up from that, really. And um, together with my own inner world, um, you know, from a child, I was always able to see what people would call angels and, and so on like that. And when I was um, actually starting to practice architecture, I suddenly found I could see um, chakra systems and energy flows in the landscape to my surprise you know i didn't expect that but it just suddenly happened one day and um and also what i now call landscape angels which are these great forms of intelligence which overlight certain landscapes and uh, position in certain posi- certain places and they they started to teach me so um i thought oh my goodness i've got to take this seriously <laughs> rather, rather, you know, rather than just a hobby and and eventually it led me, well, lots, lots of things were added to that. So eventually I gave up practicing architecture as a professional architect and devoted my life to all the work I'm doing now, which is researching the landscape, how it affects us, how people in the past have recognized this and used it and discovered these great patterns of energy underlying nature right across the world. And... Um, some people call it geomancy, but it's more than that. I call it geocosmology because these patterns of energy are archetypal and they, you can find them in ourselves as well. You can find them in trees, in plants, as well as in the landscape itself. And, um, and right through the universe, I'm convinced. It, it's they, they really one through these patterns, of, which are mostly geometric patterns of energy, one's really seeing... The, the, the wisdom itself that's expressed mathematically. So before Mathematics. we go on, before we go on to that, Peter. So when you were an architect, did you actually have the opportunity to design a sacred geometrical uh, building or structure on a sacred piece of landscape? No, I didn't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we've still got one piece of architecture to do then. <laughs> yes, I have. I mean, I, I've advised people, you know, since leaving architecture, I've been a consultant to various people okay. um, in that way, but I never actually could design one myself and build it. Very sad. <laughs> so, so in terms of the ancient wisdom traditions that you're familiar with and, and going back through the philosophies and the religions of the past, what we obviously really want to focus on 
is what is happening in the world today and how we can be part of the potential uh, awakening of people and moving into a golden age which I know you've written about and I'm certainly aware of. So perhaps you can help our listeners understand how you see this ancient wisdom fitting in with what we can do today. Well, the, the, yes, the ancient wisdom basically is there to help us um, understand ourselves and how to live better lives in the world and eventually um, create a paradise on earth. A paradise on earth will be a golden age. But to do that, we have to reach a certain level of consciousness and all consciousness, all thought, is based on um, energy, and, and pure, purest energy is love. And, you know, that's the supreme law of the universe. All the great teachers have taught it down the ages. Um, but it's still, a lot of people still don't understand this. Love is what creates the universe. It's what creates consciousness. Um, it what keeps us alive. It's our food, if you like. It, it's the matrix of life. It it's, um, underlies all matter, what we call matter, all form. It's actually love. Well, very few people have any idea of this. You know, and nobody's asking the questions, how does love create the universe? How does love create planets, stars? How does love create, create us? And so on. Um, well, I, I got thrown in, in the uh, 70s, I got thrown into looking at our own wisdom tradition in, in Britain um, through a certain gateway of time, which was 400 years ago, the time of Shakespeare, and the historical Rosicrucians at that time. And um, and I found this as a huge gateway into our wisdom tradition with these knowledges in it. You know, people knew these things in those days, and they knew that we were coming up to a great gateway in time, uh, which we're in now. We just passed through it. So, so just, uh, just for a, so, so what you're saying then is that time, that Shakespearean time in the late 1500s, 1600s was actually a preparation for now? Yes, it was a preparation for it. Um, you know, cycles of time, um, they can be very huge. Um, and then the only way to really track them is that seeing the position of the sun against the stars, you know, on the ecliptic circle on certain days of the year. And in, in the mystery schools, the main way of seeing that was to mark where the sun was at the solstices, whereas modern astrology uses the equinoxes, but that's not so accurate. But use the solstices, you've always got quite an accurate um, time um, statement. And so by, you, by seeing these great cycles of time, they could tell what certain things that could occur. You, you know, it's just like... A great cycles of time, like a great age of 26,000 years, you know, it has its seasons in it, just like the cycle of a year. There's an underlying law to every cycle of time. So if you understand a small cycle of time, you can get to understand the larger ones too. So, so what, are the, what are the signs for the beginning of a golden age? It's when the midsummer sun is on the cusp of, Sagitt of uh, Taurus and Gemini, and the midwinter sun is on the cusp of Sagittarius and Scorpio. And these are the points on the ecliptic circle, that's the sun's path through the sky. It's the points where the meridian of the Milky Way galaxy crosses the ecliptic. And they're the only two points which you could call fixed on the ecliptic because stars are not, don't exactly fix anything because they're slowly moving all the time. But those points of the crossing of the a galactic meridian and the ecliptic, they're fixed. 
And it's from that that the whole division, geometric division of the zodiac circle in sky is, is laid out from, like the 12 equal signs. They all come from that big axis drawn between those two cusps. Um, well, when the solstice suns are on those cusps at midsummer and midwinter, it marks either the midpoint of a great age of 26,000 years or the start, the end and the start of a great age. And right now, because the midsummer sun is on the cusp of Taurus Gemini and the midwinter sun on the cusp of Sagittarius Scorpio, it means we're actually starting a new great age. If you relate that to a cycle of a year, it's the same as being at midwinter. And then we, we, most people wouldn't know you they're in midwinter unless we actually celebrated it. But because we celebrate it with, you know, festival of Christmas and so on, everybody knows they're at midwinter. But for most people, if you didn't, didn't mark it in some way, you weren't told, they probably never notice that you're at the darkest time of the year. You know, they'd only start to notice once we're heading for spring. <laughs> And, and that's right. And so the neat thing is the actual solstice is the beginning of that increase in light, which is yes. not detectable for a couple of months. And then suddenly the, the nights are drawing out and you've got this light, but you don't necessarily recognize it when it actually yeah, sure. shifted. And that's, what we, that's where we are now, you're saying. That's where we are now in terms of great age. And so all the um, you know, several thousand years leading up to this time has been the um, disintegration of the old great age, basically. Just, just like what happens when winter starts at um, beginning of November, heading for midwinter. Um, you know, the sap goes out of the trees, the nature seems to die down, and things become rather dark and not so nice, really. And uh, that's what we've been experiencing in the world. Well, the, the sages knew this. They had, had the idea of time, so they could prepare for the future and, and prepare things for people too for them to find to help them through it all so peter we're actually coming up to our first break it's a great spot for for us to break i'll return with peter dawkins after this break it's peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where we have all the radio shows archived through history. There's over 200 shows, all free for you to enjoy, and they are archived by alphabet and by chronological order and a little description of each show. And also all the monthly newsletters and my September newsletter will be out this Thursday where we include discussions about what is taking place in the world of spirit. Uh, I've got done an article on my recent visit to the World Congress on Illumination with Paddy Cota Robles and also our last landscape uh, zodiac journey in Leo here in, in Victoria. I have with me today Peter Dawkins and we're having a wonderful discussion about the uh, shift of the ages and where we are right now. So from what you just said before the break, Peter, does this, does this coincide with the beginning of the age of Aquarius then? Yes, it does, more or less. I mean, the age of Aquarius is, gets its name from the, where the uh, sun is at the spring equinox at the moment, which is not, a, not an entirely accurate marker. But um, the sun is more or less moving into that sign of Aquarius, depending on where you're standing in the world, really, is how you see it, um, see it from the, in the sky. But um, the, the really accurate markers are the uh, solstice suns. So from the point of view of the midsummer sun, we're actually moving into the age of Taurus and the midwinter sun, we're moving into the age of Scorpio. Now, both these signs are enormously important. They really give the underlying uh, mystery behind all this. The age of Aquarius gives you a sort of an outer sense of what it might be about, but really it's, it's the signs of Taurus and Scorpio which tell you what the whole thing is really, really about. And they are the uh, t- t- two of the four fixed signs. And, it's That's an, right. and obviously it's an opposite axis. So perhaps just tell our listeners what the deeper meaning of that axis Scorpio-Taurus is. Well, the, um, the, the Taurus, sign of Taurus is known in tradition as the alpha sign, the first sign of the zodiac. And most people have always been taught, you know, as Aries because Aries rules the head. But, but actually in, in the real mystery tradition, um, it's Taurus is seen as the first sign of the zodiac because that's the first sign the sun, midsummer sun moves in. Um, after being on the cusp, which is this changeover from one great age to another. And so it's been through Gemini in the previous age, which is symbol of the twin pillars of the temple. You have to pass through the middle of that, balancing the opposites in love and friendship. And then you are, come into the temple proper, represented by Taurus, and then you can, you can discover and speak the word of truth. And that's what Taurus means. Um, it means speaking or sounding the word of truth. Because Taurus is the sign, zodiac sign that rules the throat. And um, the symbol of the bull is always the symbol of the creator in many, many old wisdom traditions. Um, you know, that the bull is the, 
so-called symbolic incarnationary form of the creator God comes into this form of the bull and roars into existence the new cycle of creation. Uh, so it's known as the alpha sign from that point of view. And how would that the opposite? Sorry, go on. The, yeah, the op- opposite sign where the midsummer sun is going into Scorpio, that, that's associated with the base of the spine and the whole procreative um, energies of life. So whereas Taurus with the throat is uh, creating through sound, Scorpio is creating through sowing the seed, you know, the, um, the more material aspect of it. But it's also associated with the dragon force, the kundalini in the base of the spine that's waiting to be woken up by sounding the right note uh, from above. The sound is really important, isn't it? Yeah, immensely important, yeah. And so when you go into the, the architectural temples and sacred sites and, and even the, the standing stone circles and, and the dolmens, uh, the missing ingredient often is is sounding that tone, isn't it? It is. I mean, the first before you can sound any of this, you've got to first hear it. You've got to listen. So that's the first great teaching: is to be aware of of the sound of a building, the sound of the landscape, um, sound of yourself, the sound of other people. Um, and the more you listen in that way for that deep vibration that something else is or somebody else is the more you listen the more intuitive you become listening expands the intuitive faculty and then you start hearing the real inner sound that's called the inner teacher the the and the faculty of intuition is what hears it um so you know in terms of buildings a good architect will create spaces with certain tones and um or sounds and those sounds or tones are critical for the purpose of that space you're building. So that, that's the secret real architecture is to create that right tonal space. So every building's like a musical instrument, in other words. Um, and different rooms have different purposes. So you design, design accordingly. The landscape's the same. And human beings are the same. You know, we all have a slightly different tone to each other. And, um, yeah, and, and that tone is very lovely when somebody is, Living well, thinking well, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> So I just want to take you back because obviously there was a, a lot of um, information and hype around the December twenty first, twenty twelve, last uh, solstice. So, so what is what is your knowing of that, and what and what is actually happening since, in your sense? Yes, we've been through a, a major gateway of time, which is the, the marker for this is the 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 sun on the. Um, the cusp point, you know, where the meridian of the galaxy crosses the ecliptic. And the sun is half a degree wide of the ecliptic circle. So it takes um, 36 years to pass over a particular point on the ecliptic. So the gateway of time of this cusp in terms of the sun is, is roughly 36 years. And it was calculated by various people to have started some, somewhere possibly in the 80s or 90s and to conclude round about now with the midpoint somewhere round about the millennium you know round about 1999 2000 that that's the sort of what most people have calculated um it's difficult to be absolutely mathematically sure you know from an observation of these things but people are pretty close in terms of you know big cycles of time <laughs> to narrow it down that much is pretty accurate, really. 
Now, the rest, rest depends on one's own experience of how the energies are working. And um, it's, it's good. It helps to be trained in this. One way of training oneself to know when one season, for instance, moves to another is to become aware of where, when does winter end, when does spring begin. Well, in the calendar, that's roughly around about um, the beginning of February, but most people are probably not aware of it. In fact, certainly in England, it's a common thing that spring doesn't begin till uh, the spring equinox in the, in the middle of March. But actually, that's mid-spring then. <laughs> I heard a funny joke on the English radio years and years ago when I was younger. It's the 21st of June, and the the commentator, he was the newscaster, he said, hello everybody, today is the 21st of June, uh, beginning of summer. And he said, in three days' time, it's Midsummer's Day. Well, of course, <laughs> to the English, it's very funny because we associate summer with the sun, sunshine, we don't get a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a six-day six day summer period. <laughs> that was it. But it. That was it. But it's also pointing out that this... Um, how people are so out of tune with nature because they actually think summer begins when it's midsummer, uh, when summer actually begins around about the beginning of May. Well, if you're really tuned in to the seasons and how they're working, um, which is really based on the position of the planet in relation to the sun as it goes around the sun, um, it's nothing to do with the weather, or very little to do with the weather. Um, the weather sort of plays around with it, but the basic cycle is mathematical and it's quite precise. So if you get really attuned to it, you can sense it. You can sense that change in nature as it moves from winter to spring, um, spring to summer, wherever you are in the world, whatever the weather's like, you should be able to sense it. Well, if you, if you train yourself in that, you'd be able to also sense this big change from one age to another or one great age to another. What you actually been talking about there were the so-called cross-quarter days, February the 1st, May the 1st, August 1st, and November the 1st, roughly. Yes, yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. So let's go, back to, uh, let's go back to Shakespeare, and I'd, I'd love you to talk a little bit about the significance of the Shakespeare period. That was obviously your gateway into understanding this. So, yes. so give us some insight into, into what revealed itself to you. Ah, oh, it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's actually a, a cover for a huge, huge mystery. I mean, I love I love the Shakespeare works. You know, although at school I didn't. You know, we were taught in such a <laughs> we way had to, I do didn't it. to enjoy it. <laughs> so it's after school time that I got to, um, thanks to a friend, a wonderful friend, um, who got me involved in the Shakespeare plays and going to them and reading them. I got to really, really love them and start to appreciate them and the underlying wisdom in them because they, they're not just great dramas, great stories. Um, they're not even just great psychology, which they are. They're great psychology, but they're deeper than that. They actually are showing the real wisdom teachings, including the process of initiation and what happens if you do something well and what happens if you don't do something well but make, make bad mistakes. Um, you know, the comedies show things where, where the intention is good, but the tragedies show what happens when the intention is pretty bad. Um, and the histories are a mixture of, of both. But the, there's a great um, underlying framework to all the plays, or nearly all the plays, which is um, straight from the mystery schools, showing the process of life and initiation. 
and and the poetry itself is constructed in such a way that it it's 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 using all that knowledge this wisdom knowledge to create changes of consciousness in people to play with their emotions and then their and their thoughts to try to inspire them and get them to do good things and, and not make mistakes in their lives so so they want they're, they're actually mysteries what in the old days were called mysteries but a, a, a complete mystery is a drama but showing the wisdom that underlies all life and the stages of initiation or tests that we go through um, to get better at living. Um, the, mis- the old mysteries were set not just on a stage, but also in the landscape, certain special landscapes. So, so Peter, I'm going I'm to hold you there because I, I do want us to now go into that. But we're coming up to our second break. So we'll take our break and we'll talk about that connection to the landscape and the Shakespearean plays and what that leads to when we return. It's uh, Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being outside the box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery? Waiting for your prince, princess to come? Even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply, and what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows, Sherry Chase and Chase International Real Estate Company in uh, Lake Tahoe and Reno. I actually spent a couple of days down in Lake Tahoe a couple of weeks ago, and it is absolutely sensational, breathtaking spot and definitely an emerging uh, place in the landscape energetically. Uh, And also to thank 
uh, my sponsors, uh, sorry, my uh, producers, sorry about that, my producers and engineers for the show on Voice America, Brandy Jackson, my producer, and Matt, who's our regular engineer, who are doing such a great job in enabling me to bring the, this show to you, at our listeners, and also to bring forward these wonderful spiritual experts that uh, come on the show every week and that includes uh, Peter Dawkins today who's giving us a wonderful insight into how all of this fits together. So Peter, just before the break you were talking about the Shakespearean plays and, and how that connects into the landscape. So so please continue with that. Yes, the I mean the Shakespeare plays um, really came out of a mystery school, what we in the old days would have been called a mystery school. So the plays themselves are mysteries. Um, but more than that, the whole story of Shakespeare, the author, and other things like that, it is, it is another mystery waiting for people to enter into it and um, discover various things and be initiated, basically. It's, it's, um, it's a great gateway into a mystery school that takes people through initiation. And in terms of and, your own insights to the authors or the author, what, what do you know about that? Oh, I, was, I don't know, it's a bit, bit too much to say on one little program. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but people, a snippet. I mean, yeah, a snippet, you know, the mysteries are always associated with the landscape. So the, the symbol of the swan is a symbol of, of the great poet. It's a symbol of the creator. Um, it, again, like the, like the bull, uh, Taurus, it rules the throat chakra. The swan Cygnus rules the throat chakra. Um, whereas Taurus the bull is associated with that aspect of sound, creative sound that lays down the laws, good laws. So it's linked with just bringing justice to the world. Whereas the swan creates poetically um, and raises consciousness through culture and the arts. So the bulls do with lawmaking and the swan to do with culture, uh, poetry, the arts of all kinds. And, and so it lifts the consciousness up so it can fly. The bull's an earthy creature, but the swan swims on water and flies in the air. So it's alchemically, it represents the sounding, creating things through, through sound, through the word, but then also lifting the consciousness up higher and higher uh, until, until we fly like the swan or the goose, it used to be called too in the old days. Um, well, the landscapes... Um, they can manifest chakras or zodiac. Uh, zodiac is a Greek word meaning wheel of life, and chakra is a Sanskrit word meaning wheel of life. So these are wheels of life, wheels of energy, patterns of circular patterns of energy in the landscape. And um, every zodiac has the archetypal divisions in it, which are symbolized by the signs of the zodiac, as we call them. Um, or Taurus has its own position in that, in that circle, and Cygnus has its position. And if you get to know how the, if you can get to recognize these landscape zodiacs as they manifest, you can both start to use them correctly and also start to see how people in the past use them, either consciously or unconsciously. Well, with, with the Shakespeare fraternity, I'm going to call it, um, who are the same as the Rosicrucians uh, at that time, um, they, they were working with a huge landscape right across uh, Britain. That, that's Roman Britain, not the British Isles. British Isles is something even bigger. That includes Scotland and Ireland, as well as what was called Roman Britain. Britain is nowadays um, England and Wales. But there's a great pattern, a zodiac pattern of energy underlying that Roman Britain, England and Wales. 
um, in the center is a place called High Cross, uh, right in the center. And the, um, that part which corresponds to Cygnus in, in that landscape zodiac is the Shakespeare country, what's called Shakespeare country with Stratford-upon-Avon in it. That is Cygnus the Swan. So all the focus of everybody going to see plays with the Royal Shakespeare Company and so on like that, it was deliberately put into that place, the Cygnus in the landscape, so people would pilgrimage there. Because people who go and see these Shakespeare plays and so on, they're pilgrims, pil- cultural pilgrims. They go for the love of Shakespeare. Um, you know, they go for the love of poetry, and sometimes they go for the love of the man they think was the author there. Um, it doesn't matter. They go for love and for enjoyment and for cultural, you know, for culture. And, and it's pilgrimage on a very, very big scale. Worldwide pilgrims come there to put their energy, their love, into that spot in the British Zodiac, which is a key spot because Cygnus is a key, key, key sign in the whole Zodiac. Can you explain? Do you want, do you want to talk about that? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> um, well, first of all, Cygnus, as everyone knows, is flying along the Milky Way zodiac, and um, one one in terms of the in, sorry that was flying along the Milky Way, and in terms of the zodiac, the two ends of that Milky Way are where the Milky Way crosses the ecliptic circle at the those two special points, the cusps I mentioned. Um, well, look, looking up at the sky, that Milky Way can be seen as a great bow um, that sh- can shoot arrows. You know, the string, string of the bow is the axis between the cusp of Gemini Taurus and Sagittarius Scorpio. That's the string. And then the bow itself is the Milky Way. And the bow in ancient tradition is a symbol of the heart. And the arrow is a symbol of the light that's shot out from the heart. The light, light of love shoots out as a ray of light, um, symbolizes an arrow. Um, well, if you were holding that bow, you'd hold it more or less where Cygnus is. That's, that's where your hand would be uh, to hold that bow. So it's seen as the controlling sign uh, or constellation in the sky for this great bow that shoots the arrows of love across the universe. Um, and the, the brightest star in it, um, that, like Andrew Collins talked about last time, uh, the brightest star is Deneb, which is actually in the tail or the root chakra of the swan. Um, and that this is, this is a key, real key sign. There's what's called in the Freemasonic tradition or Rosicrucian tradition, there's what's called the compasses of God that are in the sky. And the, the points of the compass which you put on the paper, you know, the, the, those ends, are marked by the stars of Spica in Virgo, or Spica in Virgo, and Regulus in, in Leo. Um, and then you draw your geometry of the um, compass up so that uh, two of the lines will go to the, the occult pole, the center of the zodiac, and another two lines from Spica and Regulus will go up to Deneb. And so Deneb then becomes the highest point of the compass where the hand of God holds the compass to make the circles. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you, yeah, absolutely. So it is the the control place. It is the yeah. divine center of creation. And and actually, again, as, as Andrew 
last time um, touched on, there's this, this amazing energy that comes now and again from Cygnus. And every time it hits the world in a big way, um, there is a leap of evolution in, in human beings, maybe, maybe the whole of nature, one doesn't know, but certainly human evolution shows leaps of evolution, leaps of consciousness at that time, that, that a, a major impulse of energy comes, comes from the swan. Not necessarily from Deno, but from but, but somewhere in the swan itself. And your sense um, is that we're, we're about to receive one of those? Yes, I mean, tr- traditionally it's said to happen every... 26,000 years or so, and sometimes every 13,000 years. So at these, at these key moments, when you've got the midsummer sun on the cusp of Gemini Taurus, one would expect from what's left or what's told us in traditional records, one would expect there is going to be a big down, uh, outpouring of energy out of Cygnus right, right at this moment in time. Also, also from other centers too in the sky. So, Pil, I'd love you now um, to connect or begin to connect up the significance of all the work you've talked about in in the UK and Europe and how that connects into North America and the founding fathers coming here, because obviously this was all part of this energy at the time. Yes. I mean, I tried to sum up, you know, 40 years of work. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I do. Yes. And of course, before that, hundreds and thousands of years of, of knowledge passed on too, on top of that. So my research have only added a tiny, tiny fraction to it all. So a lot of what, I've, what I'm doing is discovering what's already been found before and worked with, but, but have been veiled, you know, hidden from map, map the mass of people. Um, but anyway, eventually I came to find there was a whole chakra system across Europe and and knew that the Europe is called after the myth of Europa and the bull. So the chakra system that we found, we called the bull, chakra system of the bull. Well, in the process of that, we also found another major energy line coming up from Sardinia, Corsica, through Milan, through Constance, and up through northern Germany, through Jutland, and up into Norway. Um, more, more or less a longitude, following a longitude line, but this is an energy line. And... Um, with chakras on it, and I was just led over the years to work with these chakra points. At first, first not knowing I was doing that, but eventually it, it dawned on me that that's what was happening. It's become very powerful. Well, we eventually finished a whole series of pilgrimages we were doing with the Bull of Europe to help us come into this new, new, new era we're coming into. And suddenly saw, oh, there's the pattern of the swan. The swan of Europe's there. Well, the swan, the, the bull is right for Europe because in terms of chakras of the planet, Europe is manifesting the throat chakra of the planet. Uh, North America is manifesting the brow chakra. I mean, I can't, I can't explain how I know or why in such a short time. You just have to take it from me. That's what we've found and what we're working with. I believe you. <laughs> and um, so at this, this time in world history, Europe will become quite important you know it'll have a certain function to play that's really critical for the world because um symbolically it's like the midsummer sun is now part is now about to pass across europe and europe needs to do its thing which is learn how to sound the word of truth and bring justice in the world and raise culture raise consciousness to a high level based on love 
based on friendship and um, so on like that, and which, which means all sorts of things in terms of politics, economics, and and religion. Um, but you know, all this was prepared quite a time ago. You know, the beginning of the last age. So actually, Peter, we're, we're coming up to our final break. So I'll take the break, and then we'll come back to this uh, final piece of the puzzle you're going to give us today. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Having a fascinating discussion today with Peter Dawkins. His website is www.zoence.com, Z-O-E-N-C-E.com, and his own personal website, uh, www.peterdawkins.com. So, Peter, before the break, you were about to expand further on this uh, connection through Shakespeare and the swan and how that connects into North America. So, so please continue. Yes, I mean... I- what I'm trying to say really about it is that the swan, there is a geomantic formation of the of Cygnus, the swan, underlying the whole of mainland Europe, and the British Isles has a smaller version of it. Um, I mean, this took us 30 years to really realize this, but now we're starting to work with it in a big way. We always were working with the, the myth, mythology of the swan and what it means um, in smaller landscapes, but now we're focusing now on the bigger landscape of Europe and its role in the world. Because some, some years ago, I was, I, I've 
found one of the chakric schemes of the planet, um, which certainly works in terms of what we've researched and, um, and discovered and the traditions we're working with. And, and it was put together really finely with, by a vision I ha- was given of what were, what's called the Orphic egg or the Druidic egg, where the world is the egg and around it is wrapped what in the old days was called the divine dragon which is actually just a, a coil of energy, creative energy. And, um, and I, I was shown it in vision, and it put together all the researches we'd done and knowledge that's been handed on to us in terms of how the chapters of the world are, are linked together and, and the formation they have and which countries they're involved with. Um, I'm sure it's not the only um, picture one can have of the planetary chapters, but this is the one we were given and work with in which we found the various mystery schools of the past worked with too. Um, but, but anyway, in it, Europe stands out as the planetary throat chakra and North America as the planetary brow chakra. Um, and the, if you start to put the chakra system together with the signs of the zodiac, which you can do, you find that Europe is ruled by Taurus, hence the mythology of Taurus and the bull, Europa and the bull, I mean, um, giving its name to Europe. And the Middle East, which borders um, onto Europe, um, is, comes under the sign of Gemini, the sign of Gemini. So the midsummer sun over the last 2,000 years has symbolically been moving across the Middle East, the Gemini period, and is about to come into the Taurus area, which is Europe. And correspondingly, the midwinter sun is on the cusp um, planetary cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius, which is down in South Africa. It's actually the exact, the cusp is the exact point of Timbavati, where the white lions are born in the wild. The only place they are born in the wild at Timbavati. And white lions, the African shamans, represent symbols of a golden age about to be born. You know, they're, they're the messengers, the announcers of a golden age. And they are only born on that one spot. Well, the other corresponding spot between Gemini and Europe in, in, the, in the world we found was in, in the Near East. It's part of Turkey now. And um, the line that links the two together is the called, in African shamanism, it's called the uh, Nilotic Meridian or African Meridian. And the Great Pyramid is built on it at Giza, uh, deliberately built on it to, to mark it. Um, but the actual energy crossing point is um, just just off the coast, Mediterranean coast, um, a bit, bit north of Giza, you know, north the other side of the Mediterranean. Um, a place called Selgi is, is one of the markers for it. Anyway, there's something we found and worked with. Um, but that, that line I call the AA line, the Alpha Omega line, um, because it's the end of one age, beginning of another. Well, as... And that this was known to people in the past. You know, they've handed on knowledge about it in various ways, so we can carry on working with it. And one can trace it, certainly for me, I can trace it right back to Jesus' disciples and so on. They had a geomantic mission as well as a spiritual mission, so they knew where they were going to in different parts of Europe. They, all except one, they all sent into Europe. And, and there was a reason for that, because they were preparing for this, this period of time we've now started to go into. Europe sounding its note and sending its energy from the throat to the brow chakra, which is what happens in the body, human body. The throat speaks to the 
the mind, to, to the brow chakra in the mind, uh, speaks the through the inner voice, and then the mind takes it up and takes it up as an idea and a, and a vision uh, using the imagination and starts to think about it and, um, and understand it. And then it'll understand to such an extent it decides, well, I can put this into action now. And then it becomes the chakra of command to put things, to command things into action. So the brow, brow chakra, quite right, is called the Ajna chakra in, in Sanskrit, chakra of command, control. But it's a chakra of visualization and thought design. But it gets the ideas from the voice that's speaking to it. The voice originates in the heart. The heart of the planet um, in this chakra scheme is represented by the Indian subcontinent. Well, there's lots of voices coming from that at the moment. Some of them are very pure and good, and others are, are a bit mixed and not, are not very good. And so the world has to cope with this. Um, but the throat is, a, is like a sieve. It, 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 it hears the different voices and becomes aware. We first become aware of things in the throat. Um, and then we can choose to listen to one voice and reject another. You know, we, we have the choice there to listen to the good voice and reject the not so good. So the throat can act as a filter for these things and then send only the good voices over to the brow chakra so peter we've only got a, a couple of minutes left so perhaps you could spend that time just talking about the landscape feature of north america well north, north america the symbol symbol of the brow chakra and the head generally is the grail cup it's also known as the temple you know the, the temple is is our, our head and so you you come through the throat through the pillars uh, the great pillars in freemason yakin and boaz and you come into the temple proper, and that's symbolized either by a physical temple or by the cup, the grail cup, in the Celtic tradition, which gave rise to the grail, grail traditions. Uh, the old Celtic tradition, the cup was, the head, skulls, were actually hollowed out and used as cups to celebrate this great thing, the cup of knowledge, the cup of illumination. It's in the head that will receive illumination. Um, so the grail cup, well, underlying the landscape of the whole of North America is a grail cup shape. It's quite fantastic. It's amazing. You know, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I get so excited by it. Um, but if, if you look, look at any map, um, geological map of, of, of North America, you'll begin to see just the landscape itself, how it's showing it. And then, and then within that, you've got the clear chakra system going from the Gulf of Mexico the root chakra down there, uh, leading up sacral in Texas, solar plexus, heart in the, um, uh, what you call the heart of America, North America, um, then the throat area around the Great Lake area, then you into the brown crown in Canada. Um, and then each side, you've got these great mountains, the Rockies one side, the Appalachians and the Great Lakes the other. And you've got a perfect polarity of one to the other. You've got, you've got the pillars there. You've actually got a tree of life um, archetypal energy pattern underlying North America as well as a chakra system. Very wonderful, very powerful. And key, two key places in that were worked with the indigenous tribes centuries ago. And um, I got linked into this and um, went out to discover more and found, found what I was looking for. Um, but the Iroquois, for instance, working with the water energies associated with that, that side of the country and what's called the left-hand pillar. And the um, indigenous tribes in the Dinatar area, um, 
you, you know, around Santa Fe and, and so on, the Four Corners area, they were working with the fire energy. And they were consciously, the shaman, were consciously balancing the energies across America by marrying the fire and water energies together. In terms of the tree and life story, the mythology of the love affair between Mars and Venus um, is the key to that. Mars and Venus have a love affair for eternity, and they give birth to Harmony and Cupid. Harmony, you know, it brings Harmony, and then Cupid is the joy of love that, that comes out of the harmony and beauty that's being created Peter actually we've, we've, we've come to the end of the show we've run out of time I can't oh, we go on. <laughs> but I would love to have you on again in the future and I'm actually hoping myself to go to that area near Santa Fe and, and perhaps when I return in a few months time we could actually have a chat about how things are unfolding Oh, but yeah, I really, really appreciate, appreciated your time today and your phenomenal wisdom. I really, really appreciate you sharing. I know it's been your life's work that you've shared with us today, and I really appreciate you doing so. So thank you. Thank you, Peter. Well, there's a lot of information to digest uh, from today's show, and I know Peter knows exactly what he's talking about. So it may require one or two listens to get uh, clarity on, on this very, very profound and important information. My guest next week is Nick Clements, who is an expert on masculinity, and we'll be talking about his book called The Alpha Wolf, and uh, very much uh, a show that men need to listen to, and also women, so that we can step into appropriate relationships in love uh, with each other, in loving kindness. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring please join host peter tongue for another edition of awakening to conscious creation next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific time on seventh wave network